there, welcome to HL and 29, a podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. But today, really, we're going to go with two starting points because Jeff Teague is now a member of the Atlanta Hawks. He came from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, my guest today, Talal Abdullah, he keeps a close eye on the Timberwolves at the underdogworldsports.com. You can see him on Twitter at underdogsports. Uh, welcome to all. I'm excited that our universes have collided so that we can do this. Thank you. Thank you for having me, KL. Yes, it's 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 wonderful. Living in Atlanta, writing about the Timberwolves, it's finally a good start to be able to talk about both instead of being separated the whole time. <laughs> so the Hawks, for maybe almost a year since Jeremy Lin got waived and went to Toronto, you know, they've tried to just get by with one point guard, essentially, Trey Young. Uh, and it worked a little bit. It got Kevin Herter some experience. And now we've got a backup point guard, Jeff Teague. And the Timberwolves don't have their point guard. Are they going to just rely on Andrew Wiggins as their point guard? Um, so the, the focus right now is Sebastian uh, Napier, Andrew Wiggins, and Jared Culver are all splitting the role of being a ball handler. Um, actually, it's, it's very interesting to see... Uh, a lot of Minnesota's fans have wanted the point guard Wiggins for a long time. Yesterday, we took a loss, but Andrew Wiggins did put up his first triple-double. Um, so I think it was time for Minnesota to realize that they needed to go with the wave of point guard Wiggins, per se. You know, We were running a four-ball handler system with Jeff Teague being here. And I think it, it it wasn't working. You know, Jeff Teague volunteered to go to the bench so Andrew Wiggins could be the point guard with the starting unit. Then Sebastian Napier turned on. Wiggins got sick. Carl Anthony Towns went down. And it just became a jumbled mess. You know, and I think they had to make the decision of whether or not they were going to continue to run with the point guard Wiggins, keep Teague here, keep another point guard. You know, I don't think the future is point guard Wiggins because I think that we're still you know, in the market to get a ball-dominant point guard. Um, but right now, that's what we're going to be rolling with, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, why would Minnesota make this trade? Um, so Minnesota, it is time to realize, I think, in their heads that the playoffs is, is kind of a long shot. Um, Jeff Teague was staying on this team with the mindset of Minnesota makes the playoffs, we have a veteran point guard who's been in the playoffs, knows how the playoff experience goes, and he helps lead this team. Unfortunately, that's not how it happened. Minnesota is also a three-point shooting team. We take a lot of three-pointers. We don't make a lot, unfortunately. Um, uh, it's, it's been a struggle. There's sometimes we take 37 threes, we make eight. You know, but that's the system that we want to run. You know, instead of uh, getting players into this system, we're bringing the system to the players. And this is a lot of moving pieces. Um, Gerson is, is very open to moving players to get players that fit the system. And right now, it's all about embracing and building around Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so Jeff Teague shoots a nice percentage from three. He just doesn't take a lot. Um, which caused a lot of times in which Andrew Wiggins running point guard. He drives to the paint, kicks out to Jeff Teague, and Jeff Teague proceeds to pump fake and then drive to the hole for a floater. <laughs> and it just became one of those things that it was like it wasn't a fit. Minnesota needs as many shooters as they can get on a team. Crab is a shooter. He's struggling this year, but he's a career 39, I believe. 
So it had to be that chance in which this is an opportunity to get a shooter. They're both on expiring deals. Um, we got his bird rights and crab. Also, it was a two-for-one giving Minnesota the open roster spot. So if we decide to make another deal further down this line, close to the trade deadline, we can take on another player to get the player that we actually want. Yeah, that makes sense. It does sort of seem like another another trade is coming. It's funny that you say that about Teague because when he was here in Atlanta the first go-around, you know, the, the passing and the offense was was quite beautiful. They were they're very good at the drive and the kick and the swing the ball to the weak side, but at the same time there were also those maddening moments where Jeff Teague would just have no idea when the shot clock was going to expire and they'd just keep kind of firing the ball around until – clock hits here <laughs> <laughs> we've had uh, a few <laughs> so it's interesting yeah so i guess with crab he has some experience with some of the timberwolves assistants he's he's played for some of them before so he knows that system yes yes it's, it's so interesting um so we have pablo Prigioni and david vanderpool um brooklyn and portland both teams of which crab has played for so it's very comfortable with, you know, those coaches. It's funny because I think we're finally bringing in the regime that fits the coaches. And I think that's what this is all about, bringing the players that fit the system and understand what the coaches need and want from the player. It's funny that, you know, I, I think you hit on a key point about, you know, wanting to get a certain volume of threes because Jeff, Jeff seems like an unwilling shooter in, a, in the era of just get the damn shot up. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I, I've watched Crab here for a few months, and maybe he, he'll go nuclear from three in Minnesota. But you know, he kind of seems like he's roughly about the same caliber of shooter as Teague, even if he might be a little bit more willing. And if if the Hawks use a, a two point guard lineup, I'm not sure that there is anybody. I'm trying to picture somebody in the NBA that I would feel better about Crab guarding than Teague guarding, like. Crab might be four or five inches taller than Teague, but at the same time, he doesn't strike me as a particularly good defender. It always, I don't know. I'm, I, as bad as I feel about the defense of some of these Trey Young, Jeff Teague lineups, it's not like they were better with with Crab around. He's he was not, he was not an impactful player other than shooting. Mm-hmm. Is, that, I, is that fair? That is. That, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I think. I think this trade was more of let's get the threes up. Um, Gerson and and Ryan are very much so number guys. Um, eventually, these are going to start falling. You know, I I don't I think that Ryan and Gerson are perfectly fine with taking fifty threes a game and making twenty of them. I think they are are more than fine with with that. I think they're fine with taking forty threes and making ten of them. Um, in their mind, I think it's get the shot up. We have a Carl Anthony Towns down low who can get offensive rebound. We have, and, and as for the defense aspect, I still think it's a evolving system. You know, right now it's one of the most infuriating things because we lose to the <laughs> mid shot. Like, um, we became a team that stopped taking mid range shots and we are losing to the mid range shots. Um, so I think it's just a, a building thing. I think they feel comfortable with, you know, 
the blossoming of Jared Culver. I think they feel comfortable that uh, Robert Covington will be able to rub off on Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and other young players to help them understand, you know, this is how you have to play defense. This is where you need to be at on defense. So I totally agree that I don't think there's a, a person that I will feel comfortable with, per se, saying, oh, yeah, crap, you go out there and guard X, Y, and Z, you know, that I will feel comfortable with saying, Jeff T, go out there and guard X, Y, and Z. Okay. Uh, I've seen the clips. You've seen the clips. What, what What's the chemistry like between, or what was the chemistry like between Cat and T? Because it seemed like it wasn't great at times. Um, so there was a lot of rumors that went around. Um, unfortunately, none would ever like nailed down as this was the issue. Um, I definitely think that there was some sour milk between them. Um, even with Carl's recent comment, you know, when they asked him about the trade rumors and his comment was that he doesn't pay attention to the trade rumors, but anything that happens in Minnesota is going to stay in the house. You know, we're not a circus anymore. I think that was a hundred percent a jab at Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler, and slightly Jeff Teague. Um, when Tom Thibodeau came over here, he made it a clear-cut thing that he was going to build the team that he wanted. Um, he went out, he traded Ricky Rubio, brought in a Jeff Teague. He went out and he brought in a Todd Gibson, went out, traded Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler. You know, he made all the moves to submit himself as this is the type of system that we're going to run. He even re-signed Derrick Rose. It was very much so this was the system that we we're going to run. And he turned Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins into, per se, side pieces, I guess. They became the young guys who needed to understand their role and do what they were told. Ooh. And I think for two rookie of the years, two players who feel like their their futures are brighter than half of the players in the NBA, I think that rubbed them the wrong way. Uh, uh, and I think... Jeff Teague was that last piece of the timber bull is what we like to call them. The timber bull. <laughs> I think he was that, that last piece that, you know, was still that black cloud over the organization. When Gerson Rosa got hired, he cleaned house. He fired everybody that was attached to Tom Thibodeau, brought in his own team. The only person that remained is Scott Layden. And even with Scott Layden, he still Taj has Gibson, to, is he still there? Nope, Todd Gibson is in New York now. Oh my goodness, that's right. Yeah. I'm so, no problem. So he, he <laughs> moved everybody. Scott Layden was the only person in the front office that remained, and even he took a demotion without taking a, a demotion. Um, he still has a title, but he's not really the assistant GM. He's more of the scouting person. Um, so I think it was Andrew Wiggins, Carlton Towns, this is our team. And I think Jeff Teague still struggled with the mindset of I'm not the the I think he struggled with being the veteran for those two because that's just not the type of style he played with. He was more close to Jimmy Butler than he was with Carlton Towns and Andrew Williams. So I think right. it it rubbed them both like a wrong way. And like I said, like you said, the clip that we all seen in which Carlton Towns is screaming at the top of the key to get from the ball. <laughs> He dribbles for about seven seconds for seeds to try and drive to the hole. It doesn't, you know, work out. And I think Gerson said it best. It, it just wasn't a fit. Jeff T, Colin Towns, Andrew Wiggins, it, it just wasn't a fit. So as for bad blood, I guess you could say there was a, a, 
a miscommunication between them two. Yeah, and it's funny some of the stuff that Jeff Teague said yesterday. Uh-huh. It does kind of seem like he knew his time in Minnesota was short and that he'd be better off somewhere else. It's it's kind of like he had his eye on some other destinations. Yes. Yes. It wasn't like, wow, I was just so blown away by the trade, and man, I never thought I'd be playing somewhere else. It's like, mm. you know, I was kind of looking around, and Atlanta seemed like a good place to be going. Yep. And I think, I think, you know, I think the writing was on the wall. I think yeah. once the, the we were on an 11th game losing streak, um, people were banging their heads against the wall. I think that point from that point on it became very very apparent to Jeff Teague that this wasn't going to be it and, and there's a couple of games that that I can think of that you can go back and watch and you can see there's there's times in which Jeff Teague will play and he'll score 40 points and you'll be like wow Jeff Teague just dropped 40 points and then the <laughs> next game he drops seven and you can tell in his face that you know did you just drop 40 points because you wanted to increase your trade value or or <laughs> what what was that so i think the writing became very very apparent when the playoffs dwindled away and i think he knew i think Gerson knew i think cat knew you know i think everybody had that feeling that this is it people somebody has to go Okay. Uh, the Hawks also acquired Trevion Graham in the trade. Uh, I know everybody focused on Jeff T because Jeff T, you know, former Hawk, was here for forever and made the playoffs every year he was here. And it, it it's funny. I guess he always seemed like maybe the Hawk who was most destined to come back from the you know from the team five years ago. He just. He's kind of here the longest to begin with, and I don't know. It just it just kind of felt like he would be the one if it was somebody. But, uh, you know, Trevion Graham is in the trade, too. And, you know, for the diehards, they probably know who, is, who he is. But uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who listen to this podcast and have no idea what to expect out of Trevion Graham. So we're relying on you, Timberwolves expert, to tell us. Um, so when it came to Trevion Graham, when we got him from Brooklyn and the, the deal that rubbed a lot of Minnesota Timberwolves fans the wrong way, you know, All right, what was that? deal? But, so, uh, as you know, this, um, off season, the Timberwolves went fully a hundred percent in and getting D low. Uh, it was all about D'Angelo Russell and Carlton D towns playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was okay. the focus. Um, they went all in helicopter ride, everything, the whole shebang, D'Lo signs with Golden State through a sign of trade. Kevin Durant goes to New York, um, to Brooklyn, and Minnesota decided to help facilitate that to a certain degree, and we got back Sebastian Napier, Travion Graham. You know, a lot of Timberwolves was like, "Why would we help them make this deal? <laughs> <laughs> this, is not, this is not what we wanted, people." Right. <laughs> so we got Travion Graham, Sebastian Napier. Was there uh, any other sweetener? Not really, no. It wasn't. It, it it was really just to facilitate money, you know, get the, that. That's about it. That's really what it was all about. Um, but I understand from Gertrude's aspect, you know, let's bring in a Sebastian Napier, you know, a point guard who still has the ability to be a point guard, bench present. Um, Travion Graham was a hustler, offensive rebounding, 
supposed to be a three-point shooter. Um, emphasis on supposedly. Um, right. When he got here, um, all Minnesota fans were shocked to see him in the starting lineup. He was in the starting lineup the beginning of the season. Um, made a couple of offensive rebounds. Knocked down a couple of shots. Felt good about him. As the season went on, he became that very much so that awesome, that that hustle player that can get an offensive rebound here and there. You feel okay about him, but not too great. You know, he became that type of player. And I think for him, playing on a team in which we have Andrew Wiggins, Josh Kogi, Jared Culver, Jake Lehman, uh, Kata Bates-Diop, um, we have all these wing players. Where was he going to fit in? You know, um, right. and then when yeah, he it started, seems like Josh Okogie would be better at everything that that Trey, that that's exactly what it was. Josh Okogie okay. is the better player than Travion Graham, and I think it became one of those things in which Travion got playing time when everybody else wasn't playing. Uh, Andrew Wiggins went down. Travion Graham stepped up for a little while. Uh, Jared Culver went down. Trevion Graham stepped up for a little while. Uh, Robert Covington was out for a game. Trevion Graham stepped up. Um, I don't see him having a role in Atlanta. Um, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, you know, are two of the players that are going to get majority of the minutes. Um, Trevion Graham might get that five-minute stint, you know, it's a blowout. Let's throw out Trevion Graham. He'll do a couple offensive rebounds, make you feel good about some things. But I definitely think this was more the simple fact of Minnesota needed a two-for-one. Trevion Graham fit. Atlanta was okay with taking Trevion. He's an aspiring contract. Jeff Teague is an aspiring contract. If Atlanta chooses to bring back Jeff Teague, it's a whole different, you know, we're not paying you $19 million. And I think Trevion Graham was just the extra person in which Atlanta said, we're willing to take this person. We're not really giving anything. We're not using crab. So make it happen. Yeah. The Hawks tried some lineups last night. And I think this is going to be kind of a problem going forward because, you know, they're going to start Herder. They're Mm going to start DeAndre Hunter. So then you get around to the bench and you look at the wings on the bench and they're playing DeAndre Bembry with Trevion Graham. And when they tried those lineups last night, it just didn't work because you got to get a lot of stops if those two are out there together because defenses weren't really guarding them. Like uh-huh. both of their guys were just kind of sitting in the paint waiting. It's, 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 and that's where, that's where it's funny. Cause that's where we were with, um, Minnesota, uh, Carlton towns were out, was out for 13, 14 games straight. Um, and there was a lot of times in which Trapeon Graham and Josh Kogi and Jeff Teague are in the lineup and there's four people sitting in the paint because no one has to go chase a Trapeon Graham. His shot is just not threatening enough. Jeff Teague is on a pump fake. Um, Josh Kogi, you know, he's, he's turning it on in these recent games, but he's still not a three-point shooter per se. So I think... When it comes to Atlanta, like you said, you got to get a lot of stops because none of those people are true scorers. Yeah, somebody asked me last night, like, how did Chris Middleton get to Milwaukee? And it's like, well, there was the Brandon Jennings for Brandon Knight trade, and everybody was excited about Brandon Knight, Brandon Jennings, and that's how they kind of labeled the trade. 
even though John Hammond was the general manager and says that, you know, Chris Middleton was an essential piece of that trade going from Detroit to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, when the stories were written up about the trade, like he was sort of the last paragraph to throw in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works out that, that the person who wasn't the headliner in the trade is, is important, but I don't think this is going to be that. Trade. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't get that. Like, um, like I said, you know, Minnesota fans were ecstatic to to see the two of them, you know, kind of kind of leave. And like I said, I don't think it was, you know, any hostile feelings. I right. think it was more of the simple fact of neither one of them fit the system. And and Minnesota is in a rough spot in which they're tired of losing. Um, and once you get tired of losing, anybody who who doesn't fit the idea of winning has to go. You know, there's a there's a fear in the Minnesota area that you're on a ticking timeline. You know, superstars demand trades all the time. How long do you have before Carl Towns just says he's tired of losing and he wants out? You know, so in this situation, it's, hey, we got to get anybody and everybody we can get to help Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I mean, the the Hawks are a terrible rebounding team. So, you know, I think Graham can help them a little bit in that regard. But I'm just, I just don't see the fit uh-uh. in terms of, especially if you have to bring DeAndre Bembry off the bench. It's like those, those, those two, there's just a little bit too much overlap between their skill set and then the holes sort of magnify each other's holes. So, oh, so. To, to, to really go into the Minnesota thing for a minute. What do you think of the head coach? What do you think of Ryan Saunders? Um, I really enjoy Ryan Saunders. I, I try to explain to people a lot of times that, you know, Ryan came here with the idea of this is the system that I want to run. And these are the players that I got. I'm going to implement the system. You know, I think it's difficult for Minnesota's fans to hear this is a developing year. I think that's extremely difficult for them to hear. You know, in their mind, it's no more developing, no more rebuilding. It's time to win. You know, so as for Ryan, he's made it very, very clear. This is the system that we're going to run. This is how we're going to run it. We're going to win some games. We're going to lose some games, but it's all about developing. Um, And I think it's tough for Minnesota fans to see losses, but I try to explain that. You have Andrew Wiggins, who just dropped a triple-double. Jarrett Culver, over the past 10 games, I believe, is averaging about 15 and, and 4. Um, you've seen the growth and the improvement out of Keita Bates-Diop. You see the the future for Carlton Towns. Towns. Um, and now it's just adding the extra pieces. Um, so I think Ryan is doing the best job that he can do with the roster that he has. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that many shooters. Like I said, we take a lot of threes. We don't make a lot of threes. Carl <laughs> and Gorgie Dang play the center position in Minnesota, and they are arguably the best two three-point shooters that we have on our team. I was just about to ask you about Gorgie. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, you know, in the year 2035, is Gorgie Jenks still going to be on the Timberwolves? <laughs> um, First big off the bench. He has a very he has he's built a very large uh, fan base. If you're asking for my opinion, 
I think this might actually be his last year. Um, Gorgie Dang is, is, it has the potential to be a starting center on certain teams. He really does. It's just very, very hard to pay a backup center $17 million and justify it. It's very, very difficult to justify paying a backup center $17 million. You know, so my my honest opinion is Gorgie Dang does a lot of great, great things, and he will be great for certain teams, but $17 million for Minnesota, who's trying to build players around Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think he's going to make it through. I think he'll be one of the first people moved, whether it's at the deadline, whether it's during the draft, but I don't see Gorgie Dang wearing a, Tempo, a Minnesota Timberwolves jersey next season. That's interesting. Yeah, he's he's one of those bench players whose free agency is going to be interesting, sort of like uh, Sadoransky last season. It's like, well, uh-huh. what, what what is his next contract going to look like? Jang, Jang kind of fits that. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he gets in the offseason. He, he'd be uh-huh. an interesting fit in Atlanta. I don't, I, and, and it's funny I, I'm worried about the that. Hawks throwing too much money at somebody like that, but at the same time, they really don't. They they need somebody who can kind of do some of those sorts of things. It, and like I said, it's funny that you say that because there was a lot of times I said to myself, Minnesota, Minnesota and Atlanta should make a trade. And which is funny. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely saw Gorgie Dang being added to it, especially with the rumors, you know, of looking at Stephen Adams and looking at um, Andre Drummond. Both both people, you know, both bigs that don't shoot. You know, and in my mind, I was like, that's that's interesting that Atlanta wouldn't look at a Gorgie Dang and say to themselves, he's a big man that can rebound, he defends well, and he can shoot the three. You know, I, and it was interesting that, that they didn't pull the trigger, but then I also looked at it from Atlanta's side. Gorgie makes $17 million next year. What exactly do we give up for a Gorgie Dang? You know, I would love Kevin Herter in Minnesota, but there's no way that Atlanta is going to say, we're giving you Kevin Herter for a Gorgie Dang. There's no way that they're going to say, we're giving you a Cam Reddish for a Gorgie Dang. So I think that's why the trade didn't fully develop into something more. But I could definitely see a Gorgie Dang wearing an Atlanta Hawks, you know, jersey in the in the future. Right. Uh to kind of bring it back to the Hawks for a minute. It's funny when you talk about the a little bit of the culture clash between Jeff Teague and some of the younger players in the Timberwolves. I, I do think it's important to note that they're just kind of on two different timelines. Like Jeff Teague being the vet for a bunch of 25-year-olds is different than Jeff Teague being a vet for a bunch of 20-year-olds. Like it's just, it's just a different thing. I just, you know, those those are players that have been in the league for a few years, so they have impressions, they have expectations, they kind of know what the league is about, but at the same time, they've been around enough to kind of know what they want for themselves, too, versus the Hawks just have a bunch of kids that are just brand spanking new. I mean, I don't think the Hawks got a whole lot of veteran leadership out of Chandler Parsons or Evan Turner or Alan Crabb. And I do think Jeff Teague, even if he's just here for two months, three months, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to have some sort of positive impact, just kind of showing some of these kids the ropes. And uh, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I think, like I said, in Minnesota, it became, you know, Carlton Towns and Andrew Wiggins 
knew the type of game style they wanted to play. They understood that this is what we were going to do. And I think they loved the system. I think Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns absolutely love Ryan Saunders' system, not just because it's Ryan Saunders who's doing it and they have a close connection, but I think they love the system of Andrew Wiggins being able to go to the paint, do his famous spin move, make a bucket, or kick it out to Carl Anthony Towns, who feels comfortable shooting a three from any point of the the three-point area. And I think, to touch on Jeff Teague, I think that really that wasn't what he wanted to do. Jeff Teague didn't stand in the corner and wait for Andrew Wiggins to pass on the ball. You know, he didn't want to do a pick and roll with Carl Anthony Towns and and look backwards and Carl's not rolling with him. You know, Carl standing on the three point line. I think it it rubbed them, you know, a little bit of the wrong way. And like I said, I think dealing with Tom Thibodeau, I think he was like, I'm ready to go. You know, this is this is not where I want to be at anymore, and I'm ready to go. And like you said, going to Atlanta where he played most of his career playing with Trey Young, he can say, hey, Trey, let me talk to you for a second. And Trey will be willing to listen, like, oh, okay, I understand. I think talking to a 25-year-old, like you said, you know what you want to do. It becomes, all right, let me do my thing. You do your thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, so Jeff Teague, not only is he going to have a role man in John Collins, he's got a role man from Wake Forest. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I asked, actually asked Collins last night, I was like, you know, how long have you known Teague? He pretty much said, you know, I, I, I'm pretty close to all the Wake Forest guys, but, but Jeff's the one that got away. Uh, I guess he didn't really know Teague that much. I don't think he'd spoken to him a whole lot, but I'm, I'm sure they will bond soon. And I'm sure Teague will be very happy to have a role man. And that's why Jeng, I think Jeng is an interesting thing. You know, he's not a, uh, you know, like you said, $17 million is going to be a lot to pay him next year. But, you know, maybe beyond that, I could definitely see the Hawks looking at somebody like him because what they need is sort of another player, you know, about John Collins' size, but somebody who's a better shooter just so that Collins can be the role man. Because when they, when they put him out there at center, Collins, that is, they just kind of get killed on the glass because they're paying power forwards next to him who can't rebound. And so if he could... If you could make Collins a rolling four, but still have a rebounding five next to him that can shoot, you know, then things work a lot better. So, yep. Yeah, and, and that's the that's the, the thing that I, I totally agree. I think Atlanta is to that point now where the center is the glaring need that has to be answered. You know, right. just like Minnesota has one glaring need, it's get a shooter and a point guard. It has to be answered. There are a lot of good point guards in the league, huh? see what they do in the off season. I'm intrigued, but, uh, all right. Uh, I've kept you too long. I know you've got stuff to go do today. So, uh, I'll plug what you want to plug, tell the people where they can find you one more time. You can find me, uh, at the underdog and follow me on Twitter at underdog sports. Wonderful. Well, I hope we can have the, uh, the worlds of Minnesota and Atlanta intersect again sometime soon. Uh, this was very enlightening because I know that I'm not a Timberwolves expert, so it was good to hear these things. And uh, thank you once again, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're coming up on the five-year anniversary of when you were the player of the month with four other players. What do you think of when you think of that time and that season? Uh, special year, I think, for every Hawks fan. Um, made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. That team was just a special group. We all fought for one another. We all liked one another. 
got alone off the court great. Uh, it was just a special group of guys. Uh, best team I've ever been a part of.